0: Amen. amen, amen. Awesome, man. I could sing that song for hours and listen to you folks. It's just that verse. Just, I just love that. Thank you so, so much. it's just, whew, love that song. love that song because he is an awesome God. How great our God is. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. What a day already. I good to see you, Raina. There's a story about a preacher who was standing at the back door shaking hands as he finished preaching that morning. He grabbed one man by the hand and pulled him over to the side and said, Young man, you need to join the army of the Lord. You need to join the army of the Lord. The young man simply said, Well, I'm already in the army of the Lord. The preacher said, Well, I didn't recognize that. He said, he said I only see you on Christmas and perhaps in Easter time. He said, I not know you were in the army of the Lord. He said, Oh, yes, preacher. He said, I'm in the army of the Lord. I'm just in secret service. I'm glad you're here today. We've got some secret service people here. Not here today, but maybe they're in the service anyway. In keeping with the military and, and kind of honoring those, of course, and continuing to do that and continue to pray for them, of course. Now, some might think that the military is like any other job. Those of us that were in the military know differently, but many people think that it's just like any other job. You go to work, you get paid a lot of money, <laughs> and you get benefits, and you get promotions, and you retire somewhere in Florida and live happily ever after. Those of us that were in the military say, yeah, right. That's a senator, not a... <laughs> no, 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 no. Something's wrong with that kind of thinking, of course, because anyone that has been in the military understands that there's much more to it than that. They realize the sacrifice that has been made and and lived out, and for many, a lifetime. One of the primary functions of the military is to prepare for war. We know that going in. We don't like the thought of war, but we understand that we need to protect ourselves. And you've got to know that when you sign up and raise your right hand. Those of us that stood in a room, I remember the time that I was in Louisville, and I raised my right hand. And so those of us that ever raised a right hand and took the oath to give our lives for our country uh, discovered that it was not just a job, but it was a mission. It was a mission that could carry the ultimate price, our own lives, and we knew that going in. And for many, that has already played out in their lives. We see the caskets that come home and covered and draped with American flags Other soldiers honoring them and grief that that carries with it for many. The scars that it carries for many. Greater love hath no man than this to lay down his life for one's friends. We honor them. As for Christians, Bob Ward says it this way. He says, if you are a Christian, you are a veteran of the cross. You are a veteran of the war against darkness and sin, evil in this world. What a statement. I thought about that this week as I was preparing this message and knowing the things we needed to get through and try to say some of the things that would also encourage all of us. Yes, it is true you don't carry a rifle or drive a tank lately, but we wield a double-edged sword, Scripture tells us, and we wear the army the armor of God Himself into the battle every day of our lives. We're called to, anyway. Your war is never over until Jesus. Our war is never over until Jesus comes again. Carry the scars on the battlefield of those that have fought before you or fought against you in your life. But we do not fear, or we're called not to, anyway. We do not fear because our focus is not on us. Our focus is on our Commander-in-Chief the true commander-in-chief, which is Jesus Christ Himself. For He has already won the war for us, Scripture says, and we believe it, and it's good to be in the army of the Lord. Give me an amen. Armies do not exist to play around and collect a paycheck. And Christians are not to play a game and play around and collect an eternal reward, because it doesn't work like that. Oh, some might think that, but We are called to suit up nonetheless and fight the enemy that's out there because there is truly one out there. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. So I've listed a few things that the army exists to do and things also that we do as Christians or should be doing. Armies exist to deal with conflicts, there is no doubt. As Christians, we are also going to deal with conflicts throughout our lives. Armies exist to defend their people. We too, as Christians, are called to defend our faith and each other. Armies exist to fight the enemy, no doubt. And as Christians, we have a fight on our hand and we have an enemy, there is no doubt. Armies exist to to hopefully win the battle that they find themselves in. And as Christians, we are in a battle. And as long as we stay in Christ Jesus, we are told that we will win in the end. So let's take a look at these as we go down through those four or five things here real quick. First of all, for the conflicts. Anybody ever been in a conflict because you're a Christian? Ever go through some persecution, what the Bible says is persecution? We know little of that compared to some parts of the world, but nonetheless, we do know that. We do have those tastes in our mouth oftentimes. they come. They can come from the person sitting right next to you, by the way. Not only from the enemy on the outside, but on the inside. Armies exist to deal with conflict, and Christians, we are also to deal with conflicts that come our way. In his book, The Safest Place on Earth, Larry Crabb writes these words, and I like it. The difference between spiritual and unspiritual community is not whether conflict exists, but it is rather your attitude, our attitude toward it, and our approach to handling it when it comes. He goes on to say, when conflict is seen... When conflict is seen as an opportunity to draw more fully on spiritual resources, we have the makings of a spiritual community. And as a church, that's what we do. And when conflicts come our way, we pull on the resources in which God has given us. It may be through an individual, but certainly it must be through God's Word. And through those things, we have the right resources to handle the conflicts that come our way. Because every church that I know of will always deal with conflict. All leaders will deal with conflicts and those that follow. God knew that we would face conflicts in our lives, and He has given us the resources in order to overcome those conflicts that we face. Of course, the biggest resource Himself is Jesus the Christ. That's why He is to be the center of your life. Not somewhere down the list, but the center of who you are. And John 16, the word says there, Jesus himself using these words, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, conflicts. So straight up front, he wants to let you know, if you become a Christian, you're going to have some troubles. Oh boy, I thought it was just going to be easy. Just get the paycheck and retire. No, he said, you're going to have troubles. But then right after that, see, it would have been really, really sad to think that, but Bob, right after that, you know what he does? He comes back and he simply says, but take heart, take courage. How can you take courage knowing that trouble's coming your way? How? He tells you, because I have overcome the world. And the church said, it's pretty good. We could go home on that one, but we're not. All right, hang on. My friend, I don't care who you are, and you can be the most dedicated and the most spiritual person that's ever walked planet Earth, but you're going to face conflicts. And without Jesus Christ in your life, Satan will take you out. And that's his goal, by the way. In John 10, it tells us that he has come to be the, he is the thief. He is the one who comes to steal and destroy, kill you. That's what his mission is. Listen to me. The enemy has a mission. You better have one. He is there to take us out. So we need to know that we are in this battle. So when conflicts come our way, you have to be ready. We have to be ready. Ready to defend ourselves, which is the second one. Defend. Armies exist to defend their people, and ours defends us well. And again, I salute all of you that have served in our serving. As Christians, we are to call, uh, and called to defend ourselves. We're called to defend the faith and each other. Scripture teaches that. Second Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about we live in this world, but we don't fight our battles in the same way the world does. Well, no, nope. It's not a general telling us this and that, although we need to listen to what the generals say in our military. But we also have a commander-in-chief, and his name is Christ. And he gives us the orders, but he says, I want to tell you how you handle it. You don't handle it like the world handles it. But we're thinking, wait a minute, I'm in the world, I need to handle it like the world. And he says, no, don't handle it like the world, because this is how you handle it. The weapons we use are not human ones." What? How does that work? Our weapons have power from God. There's the answer. Our weapons have power from God and can destroy the enemy's strong places. How good is that? God causes waters to part. No weapon. God's power. Pretty awesome, don't you think? God's power. The walls came tumbling down. No weapons, just a trumpet. God's power. A rock. No weapon. Just pick a rock up along the way. Ow. God's power. That's what we have. It's connected within us once we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord. Oh, we have weapons, but not of this world. Isn't that interesting? that God gives us permission to carry. Isn't that good? God gives you permission to carry. Wow. The question is, are you carrying? Are you? What do you carry? The weapons from God. Man, you can hear a pin drop in this place. That's good for a preacher, I think. Unless everybody's asleep. All right. In 1775, many people complained, especially those that in the New England colonies, of course, our history books teach this, about the taxation and the high-handed tyranny of King George across the pond. They griped and they complained. They even made threats. Most of them did. But we all know there was just a few that stood up. They were called... The militia, just a few, stood. Hmm. This week, we honor those who heard the call all throughout history to give us this great country in which we live. And we salute them, and we should. We should support them, and we should. We should stand for them, and we should. We thank them for what they've done. Now, as Christians, we may not wear the uniforms, but we are called to wear the full armor of God so that we can defend the body. Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Are you putting on the full armor of God? Have you placed it on? Or is it like my uniform? Just in the, one I wore in the military, it's hanging in the closet out in the garage, I think. I guarantee you I can't fit in it. I think sometimes as Christians we do that. God has called us to put on this armor, but sometimes we go out without the helmet. We go out without the breastplate. We go out with all those things that God has told us to put on. And then we wonder why we get hurt. We wonder why we get hit. We wonder why we get wounded. And then we drag ourselves in and fix me up, repair me. Oh, God does. He he does do that. But there are a lot of wounds that we could prevent as Christians if we would just wear the full armor of God in which God has told us to put on. Give me an amen. Oh, there is evil in this world today. We all know that. In our prayer class today, we took time to pray for those down in Texas Just this last week, just about this exact time, some deranged man walked into a church in Texas and took the lives of nearly 30 innocent people. Their families will be forever changed and scarred for life. Certainly our thoughts and our prayers are with them. Let's just do that. Father, here we are in this comfortable building. Somebody's probably hot and somebody's probably cold. What a thing to have to worry about. There are those that their lives were shattered last week at this time. In your house, worshiping you, and evil entered those doors. Father, we pray for their families. We pray for the scars that have been left. We pray that you walk good people, honest people, Christian good people into their lives. But we mo- we pray most of all, Father, that you would send your Holy Spirit to comfort them and to give them what they need in this hour. And all we can do on this side is just pray for them because we realize how close that is. Please, Lord, in the name of the power of Jesus, we believe. Amen and amen. Finally, or one more I could say, enemy, the enemies exist, or the armies exist, I should say, armies exist to fight the enemy. And that's what we're to be about. As Christians, we are to fight the enemy. How do we fight the enemy is the question. We fight through faith. Our faith is a fighter for us. It is a way for us to move forward. Our hope has been in our prayer uh, that that David offered earlier, but our hope and, and prayer is our strength in that process, but also and certainly the Word of God. The Word of God gives us the orders in which we can carry out and how we can move about in our lives, our daily walk, how it is that we get the right instruction to get to where we need to strengthen you. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3. It says, but the Lord is faithful. And the church said, Amen. But watch, and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Now listen, He says there He's going to strengthen you. It must mean that you need it. If He's going to give you strength, He promises you strength, then there must be a time in your life when you're going to need that. And so He's going to give that strength. They don't They just, in all this process, they don't just pull you off the street and stick you in Afghanistan if you're in the military. That's not what they do. What they do is they select those and then they train those and they strengthen them to the point where they can take them there and drop them in that place so that they can serve our country at its highest level. And there's a reason for that. And God tells us the same. And So we come and we study together on Sunday in our Bible classes and and, in the teaching from behind the pulpit and Wednesday nights and the times we meet in small groups and all of those things. And so what we're doing all of that time is we're gaining strength. We're learning how to battle the enemy that is out there. And it's valuable for us. Don't think that this isn't valuable. Don't think that Bible classes aren't valuable because they are. They strengthen you. Any of us, any of you that have played sports, you realize and learn quickly that the easiest way, I suppose, to get injured in a sporting event is to stand around paying and not paying attention to when a play is in progress, especially if you're playing football. Because they're going to, if you've ever done that, you're going to get your bell rung. And you're going to be sitting on the sideline the rest of the game figuring out, hey, how many hands do I have? Well, it's the same thing with the enemy. The enemy knows what's going on, and he is going to try everything he can to defeat you, as we've learned, but you need to know that you've got to keep your head in the game. You've got to be alert, Scripture says. Watch this poll. I'm not big on polls as far as you know, getting it back and getting the, always the correct information. If you poll 100 people and it's only 100 people, maybe that's just within 100 people. I understand that. But a poll was finished and, and it was done. 62% in this one, 62% of Americans agreed Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil only. And you're like, oh, what the heck? But you know what's even sadder than that? Out of that 62%, 52% of those professing to be a Christian also agreed with that. That's scary. And I'll tell you why that happens. Because they're not in the Word of God. They're just free-willing it. Watch. One can try to make the Satan, the devil, however you want to call him, one can try to make him make-believe, but that will never defeat him in your life. You can pretend he's not there all you want to, but let me tell you, that will not help you in your life. Think about it. If we didn't have an enemy, that would mean that only good things would happen, wouldn't it? Anything ever bad happen come your way. Think about this one. Where does evil come from? If there is no Satan roaming the earth, it would mean that you are calling God a liar. Do you know that? Those Christians that simply say, nah, he's not real. Nah, he doesn't exist. Nah, it's not really. It's just make-believe. Nah, he's no longer around. That was back in the day. They are actually calling God a liar. How do I know that? 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's not the Old Testament. That's the New Testament. And let me tell you, it stands still today. Satan is alive and well. He's been defeated as long as we stand in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's why we got to take our stand. In James chapter 4, notice what it says. Submit yourselves then to God. If you submit to God, something allows, something takes place in your life or is allowed to take place. When you submit to God. When things aren't going your way, ask yourself a simple question. Have I submitted my entire life to God? Am I holding something back? Because if you're holding something back, it's not on God, it's on you. He says, submit to God then, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now notice, it didn't say, he will go away forever, because boy, wouldn't that be nice. I mean, one shot, boom, Mike Tyson back in the old days. Don't even get off the stool. Right? Doesn't work that way. It only works that way in heaven. In heaven is a wonderful place where evil cannot enter in. But here on earth, yep, there is an enemy and we must be alert at all times. Finally, armies exist to hopefully win the battle that they find themselves in. Well, we go in. Captain says, that's our mission. We go. We go in and we do our best to win. As Christians, we are in a battle as well, as I mentioned. And as long as we stay in Christ, as I've mentioned, so I could probably close, but I won't. But in this, we too will win. Because I want to give you a shotgun approach of Scripture. That means a bunch, or a few, more than two. Here's a couple. Deuteronomy chapter 3. Do not be afraid of them, who? The enemy, those that stand against you. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Who's gonna fight for you? If you're not in the Lord, you know what you're doing. You're taking the whole world on in your own power. When I was in junior high, I took a boxing class. It was offered in gym, and I hurt this kid pretty bad. So I thought I was pretty cool. And I didn't realize that somebody else that had boxed a couple of years longer than I had <laughs> was going about to wear me out. I wanted somebody else to fight that fight before it was over because I was not prepared to fight that fight. I got out while I was still good looking, though. <laughs> That's right. But the Lord, it says, the Lord fights for you. Isn't that good to know that he fights for you? I don't have to fight this battle alone. Somebody's going through something today. I know you are. I know you're out there. I can see you. Somebody's out there, and you're going through something in your life, and you know what your problem is? You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been working at it and working at it, and you've been wearing yourself out. You drag yourself back home, and you lie in that sleep number bed, and you try to push all the numbers to get it just right. But you wake up in the morning, and, man, it's right there again. And you have tried everything within your own power. Let me tell you something. Get on the Lord's side and watch what God can do for you in an instant, what you can't do for yourself in a lifetime. I love the fact that the Lord is going to fight for us. Oh, David threw the rock. No doubt. David threw the rock. But God guided the stone. Romans chapter 8. I give you two out of Romans. Take these with you today. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It means there's no one. There is no other God. But if He's for us, then who can be against us? You see how it works? If no one's greater than God, if He's for us, who can be against us? The world? China? Russia? Other members? doesn't matter. God's force. Who can be against us? Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord will grant... Oh, I love this verse. Look at this verse. Man, I could just bathe in this one for a while. It says, the Lord will grant that the enemies, notice enemies, who rise up against you, they're coming, they're going to rise up against you, they will be defeated before you. In other words, you're going to be able to watch it. You're going to watch them. You're gonna watch him fall wall, the walls come tumbling down. You're gonna be able to see that before your very eyes. Now watch, they will come at you from one direction. Full force, a full on. Notice what happens. They leave like a covey of quail. Somebody should say Amen. I mean, isn't that worth an amen? Not because I said it, but because God said it. So let's just do that one more day. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Hallelujah. So when they're coming on, bring your best shot. God's on my side. And when he's done with you, you guys are going to just drift away. That's right. That's confidence in God, not in yourself, by the way. Romans chapter 8, last one here. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. He loves us, so we're conquerors. Billy Graham said, I read the end of the book. (laughs) We win. So as we take time to honor these brave men and women that served us and serve us today as well, let us not forget that we are in the Lord's army. The victory is ours for the taking. Hallelujah. No weapon forged against you will stand, Isaiah 54 says. But you need to know something before we leave because somebody's here undoubtedly. You don't know this. So you're going to know before you leave. So pay real close attention. It's real simple. But it's real important. You need to know before you leave that over 2,000 years ago, there was a battle of war. It was in its most intense moment. The enemy of the Lord appeared to be winning and had won. And for three long days, Satan and his warriors celebrated. But on the third day of that celebration, something began to happen. The tide was turned. And Jesus pushed His way through the gates of hell itself and rose from the dead to not only win the battle over death, but assure us that we can win the victory as long as we stand in Jesus Christ. And so today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're trying to battle it all by yourself, and He wants to assure you that you cannot win on your own. But He also wants to assure you that you can always win with Him on your side. God is good. Thanks be to God. He gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ in Him and Him alone. May it always be the case for us. Praise God. Maybe today you have a prayer request. Maybe today you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe today you want baptism. Maybe today is the day that you have a hurt, that you want your brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you. Maybe today you have a celebration, and we'll pray for you with that as well. We'd love to hear that. Whatever your need is, we sing a song right now to give you that time to come forward if you desire to do so. God bless you. Thank you. Stand, sing.